Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and this is week number four of 2021. So I hope you've been enjoying our podcasts. Um, I hope you uh, are staying on track with your reading. Uh, this last week, uh, you should have read through John chapter 1 through John chapter 7. And this coming week, you'll be reading John chapter 8 through 13. Again, trying to stay with the theme of simply Jesus, especially for this first month of the year. Um, <clears throat> a lot of what you read in John is all about Jesus, and so that's why we're here. Now, today I have with me a different guest. Uh, today I have with me Bill Blankenship, and he is uh, one of the pastors here at Lewis. Uh, he takes care of, well, a lot of things, like all of us pastors do, <laughs> but <laughs> but I think his main emphasis here is taking care of all of our membership, uh, especially the uh, shut-ins, hospital visitation, things like that. But of course, also, he teaches and preaches uh, just like we all do, so... Welcome, Bill. Um, Thank you. And uh, as we start out the podcast for this week, like we've done the last couple of weeks, I'm looking for something. Um, I wonder if you can provide us with a tip, and a tip meaning um, something that the Bible readers can take home with them that will be beneficial for them as they read. Now, I'll give you an example. For the first week, I mm -hmm. told them, I said, why don't you try reading this year in a different translation? Yep. And so some of them have commented about how that's helped. Uh, last week, or the week before, rather, Tim told us about repetition, looking for repetition in the Bible text was important. Um, last week, Matt McClay was here, and he gave us a whole method. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the exact method. I remember what he said, but it's kind of going over my head now. But it's a method they use in the youth ministry as they uh, observe and interpret the mm -hmm. Scripture and apply it to their lives. But I wonder if there's anything you want to add um, to that list, and we're going to keep this list running as long as I can remember all of the things on the list. Um, but things yeah. maybe like that that in your study time that you find helpful, or maybe things that you really key in on as you read. Yeah, there's uh, uh, all of those things that have already been said are great, and uh, and I use different uh, translations as I go through my studies as well. And I like what Matt said last week. You know that you you observe. And uh, then you interpret, and then you apply. And uh, I like to observe. Uh, one of my things, and whenever I spoke here on uh, December the 27th, you, uh, I shared about uh, Bartimaeus, and oh. and I talked about how uh, we get the information from Scripture, which is kind of sketchy. You know, it just talks yeah. about he's blind, Bartimaeus, and and uh, <laughs> you know Jesus comes by and he calls out to him. And but I like to put myself in some of these That's situations. Yeah. And as I read and, and I read about these people, either I put myself in their place and I try to uh, experience some of what they might be going through or what they might be seeing or what they might be experiencing. And if not with the person, I like to put myself in the, the situation, put, them, put myself there as a witness, uh, observing uh, gotcha. what's going on. And... Yeah. Uh, I always love to go back. I, I sometimes I say, you know, I'd love to go back in history, and <laughs> yes. I'd like to be able to see yeah, this stuff yeah. personally. And and so I kind of let my mind wander in that, and I put myself in that situation so I can uh, kind of understand or see what they're going through. And uh, that's one of the ways I like to study. Is to, now, while it would be easy to go back and observe, I don't know if I'd want to live there for a long period oh, of time. Oh, I wouldn't want to stay there. Oh, no. <laughs> all the struggles and, and uh, all the problems and just everyday things that we take for granted. Yeah. But yeah, to be an observer, it reminds me of that old show that um, I watched when I was a kid. I think it was called Superbook 
or something like that where they go back in time to like those Bible mm-hmm. events. It's like an old cartoon. Some of you out there might remember it. It's like an old yeah. cartoon where they would go back to these Bible time events. Right. I always thought it'd be interesting uh, to be back there for a little bit, not to stay for a long time, but to observe and talk to some of those characters and find out what's going on. Absolutely. Okay. So um, putting yourself um, in the text or being an observer, and sometimes we read about observers who have or who oh. are observing what's happening as well. Absolutely. Um, so that's your tip for uh, for this week. So a little more personal, I think, um, keeping uh, uh, the Scripture real to us and not being something that's that's so far from our thinking. I think right. I think that's a good idea. And I think all the, a lot of times when we do read Scripture, we tend to put ourselves in the same place. I think in the Psalms, um, you know, you read a lot of what David went through, and sometimes yeah. we feel like, man, he's feeling the exact same thing I'm feeling right now. Yeah, and it's good to have someone to read um, uh, who who has that same kind of feeling that you're having. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this week uh, we're going to be talking through John, um, this kind of the middle portion, John chapter 8 through John chapter 13. And I, I know you understand on the podcast here that we can't cover every little bit of it. There's tons of material. And I was, as I was going over this this morning... I didn't even know what to choose. There's yeah. so many different things. So we're just going to kind of slowly walk through the couple of chapters here, highlight some things, um, and and we'll see what we can do. We'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I noticed about uh, chapter 8, um, chapter 8, you have the famous uh, I am statement in there, which Jesus says, I am the light of the world. A uh, couple chapters earlier, we had Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And so I am the light of the world. But in chapter 8, one of the themes that, that's here is that he's trying to explain, Jesus is trying to explain that he's following the Father's plan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the emphasis here. And, you know, he says that we are the light of the world. We desperately, desperately need that light. Um, and there's a little verse here that I want to read, chapter 8, verse 19. It says this. It says, they're asking him. They say, where is your father, they ask. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you mm-hmm. knew me, you would also know my father. And of course, Jesus made these statements. Well, I think it's interesting because you know they, they want to know his identity. And earlier on, they're talking, saying, "Well, we are children of Abraham." And Jesus yeah. says, "Well, if you don't even know me, then you're not even going to know my father." I mean, these are powerful, theological, rich statements here that um, they really just didn't get. I think what Jesus was trying to say was trying to tell them. Now. What about chapter 8 or chapter 9 or any of it um, do you have to add, pulled away from? What was something that stuck out to you the most, I guess we should say? Well, as I read through all of these chapters, uh, the thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that they just didn't get who he was. Uh, They just refused to open up their eyes and hearts and and to recognize, uh, what what are you saying? What are you doing? At the end of of chapter 7, uh, we find that they were debating on who Jesus was, his yeah. claim. Yeah. Uh, some people, or some of the Jews, wanted to seize him at that point. <laughs> and, uh, and then we find that as they talked about who he was, uh, these Pharisees and rulers, they said, you know, people don't listen to this guy. Are you being fooled by him? Uh, because we don't believe in him, and if we don't believe in him, you shouldn't, you know. right. But the interesting thing that I found uh, as we went through chapter 8 was that, uh, as you said, when he's talked about uh, that him and the Father and, and he was doing the Father's will, and, and he was, he done, was yeah. revealing to them who he was, yeah. and yet they didn't get it. Yeah. They didn't get it because in, 
And verse 25 there in chapter 8, he says, they asked him, says, who are you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> who are you? Yeah. And, uh, and so he <laughs> continued, he said, I've told you, you know. And they went on into further in chapter 8, and, and they talked about him in Abraham. He talked about Abraham and yeah. knowing Abraham. And they said, you know, how could you know Abraham? You know, you're not even 50 years old <laughs> right. yet. Right. You know, which was uh, actually the age of manhood. That uh, He says, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you kn-? And he said, well, uh, I knew him, and I do know him, and uh, and I am. And when he used that term, I am, that really upset him. But even in verse uh, 53, we find that they yeah. asked him again, who do you claim to be? Yeah. So they, they keep asking him, and, and he tells them, he says, uh, if I glorify myself, he says, my glory is nothing, but my Father, about whom you say is your God, he is the one who glorifies me. And so that he's revealing to them who he is, yeah. and they're not getting it. And, um, and the other thing that I noticed, too, and, and we find that also in, in, in chapter 10, uh, they asked him again. He says, "If you're the Messiah, just tell us." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think and that I'm, was kind of the. I think he was kind of hoping that they would get that point. Yeah. Of course, if if all the religious leaders were saying that he was a prophet, he was a prophet, or he was a great teacher, then they wouldn't maybe expect him to be the Messiah, and maybe that was the difficulty. But um, like in chapter nine here, another blind man illustration here. Yeah. Um, uh, he recognizes who Jesus is. And by the way, I, I, this is on my mind. I mean, you said 50 years old was manhood, so I feel like I'm still a young, young fella. Yeah, young I'm, I mean, I'm, only, I'm not, <laughs> I haven't even got that far yet. Um, but one of the things that, that you find as these, these three or four chapters and, and a lot of the conversations Jesus has with religious leaders is that um, he really lays the blame for the people not believing at their feet. Absolutely. Because you think about it, if you have this guy that comes along and starts teaching that he is the Son of God, well, who would you go to for advice or counsel? Well, you'd go to your religious leader, your pastor, your your, your bishop, your denominational leader, whoever it might be, and say, do you think these claims are true? Yeah. And you're going to really probably follow what whatever. Really yeah, and so um, that's why I think it's later on in the book of Matthew, and I think in the book of John, I don't know if he mentions it, but Jesus really lays the, the blame right at the feet of the... Uh, religious leaders and says, you have prevented them from going into the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, very, very strong. And so you see a lot of this interaction uh, with uh, religious leaders, and uh, Jesus is trying to convince them because if he can convince them, then they, as a result, can pass down that same belief, that same uh, influence, I think, to his uh, uh, to those who are in the crowds. But but the uh, chapter 9, I, I think this is interesting because it's the man born blind, and and he is one that mm-hmm. recognizes who Jesus is. And there's a little irony here because then Jesus says later on, well, you know, he's talking about the religious leaders were really the blind ones and not this man. Yeah. And so if you look at chapter 9, verse 24, um, this man had been healed, and this man, excuse me, the religious leaders went to his parents and asked him. And his parents were like, well, don't come to us, go to him. <laughs> and it picks up in verse 29 yeah. of chapter, or yeah. excuse me, twenty. Verse 24 of chapter 9, it says this. So for the second time, they called on the man who had been born blind, 
uh, and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And, and the man says, I don't know whether he is a sinner. The man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples? Of course, they get upset yeah. at that. You know, he says, but we're disciples of Moses. And there it is again, Moses again, Moses. following Moses, following Abraham. And it says, uh, we know Moses, God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. He says, wow, that's very strange. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. Uh, we don't mm -hmm. know that God doesn't. And, and he goes on and talks about it. And then later on, I, I find this, there's lots of irony here. Because when Jesus heard what happened, he comes and he asks the man you pick up in verse 38, 39. It mm -hmm. says, then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see yeah. that they are blind. And of course, he did that as some Pharisees who were standing by hears him. And they're saying, so are you, you saying that we're blind? blind? Yeah. And Jesus says, well, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Uh, and then Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim, you claim, claim. you can see. Yeah. And see, Jesus was claiming that he was the Son of God, but they, claiming to be what they were being, um, they, they were blind. They were blind to the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. And yeah. I think it's interesting that you have this irony of a blind man who is healed and he recognizes who Jesus is. Yeah. And yet the spiritual leaders, they simply they didn't. Don't. They simply don't. Yeah. Well, actually, Jesus came to the, the blind man after he heard that they had kicked him out of the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he him. asked him, he says, do you you believe in the Son of God? And he says, well, who is he that I might? And he says, I am he who talks to you. Yeah. And he said, yeah. Oh, man. He, I didn't take he, very much he, at all. He jumped right on that. <laughs> but exactly. you know, something else that I've noticed, too, through these readings is the fact that every time that they didn't recognize who Jesus was and they questioned him, said, who are you? Or who do you claim to be? And all. every time that he they would ask that question, right after that, it said they picked up stones and they was going to stone him. Yeah, yeah. You know, every time, it's a, they didn't want to hear. I don't think that who he really was. Now, the story of the blind man, and I think you're right because it was going to upset the apple cart, upset their already system of how everything was working, Absolutely. and they don't want someone coming in and upsetting things. Uh, from the story of the blind man, you go into chapter 10, and, and chapter 10 has a lot of contrasts, and one of the big contrasts you see is you see the false shepherds mm -hmm. who were trying to lead Israel, and where Jesus was obviously saying they weren't leading him correctly, to the true shepherd, to Jesus. And so I think there's a big contrast here, and we go to John chapter 10 a lot for um, eternal security, uh, mm -hmm. the believer. There's a couple of good verses here, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, right. about how my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And there's a really Amen. good picture here, and, and I don't want you to miss it, because it says that we are placed in Jesus's hand, so he's got us in his hand. And then it says that God the Father encapsulates Jesus as well. So it's mm -hmm. almost like we've got double security right. in the Father's hand. And of course, again, using the same illustration that Jesus uses, you know, I and the Father am one. It's this whole father-son relationship here. But it's a big contrast to me. He's trying to contrast, look, I'm the chief shepherd. Um, I've come the way the Old Testament said I was going to come, but now you have all these false shepherds who are Mm -hmm. um, roaming around. And sometimes we find false shepherds roaming around today. Absolutely. True. Yeah. yeah, he tells us the Antichrist is in the world today. The spirit of Antichrist is here. Yeah. Now, one of the things about his identity, um, about Jesus' identity, and at the end of chapter 10, it's a small little verse, and if you 
read it quickly, you're going to miss it because it connects things back with the ministry of John. Remember John the Baptist? Mm. And John the Baptist was the forerunner, and he was part of his job was to show or to point to the fact that Jesus, he's the one that the Old Testament's been talking about. Look at him, follow him. And so at the end of chapter 10, you look at verse 41, as they're... Mm -hmm. um, or verse 39, it says, once again, they tried to arrest him, yep. you know, and they got away and left him. He went beyond the Jordan near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. And many followed him. They said this, John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed, believed in, in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there's a in the book of John, that's why John the Baptist shows up, and that's why it's such a big deal in the book of John, uh, John the Baptist's ministry. He is connecting it back with Jesus, because if John is pointing to Jesus, then th that's, that's the point. <laughs> John's pointing to Jesus to show that Jesus is the one who was to come, because they had no problem believing John. Right. You ever wonder about that? They right. had no problem believing John, but then they have all this trouble believing about Jesus, mm. who Jesus is. You know, you can't separate the two, the two ministry, but there's an there's a integral connection there. Now, moving right along, and feel free to jump in wherever, Bill. I feel like mm. I might be monopolizing mm. the time here, no, but chapter 11 is a great story about Lazarus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a famous story. There's a lot of uh, emotion here of Jesus. Um, and, of course, the story of Lazarus goes right into the triumphal entry. Uh, John later on says that um, he feels like one of the reasons why... Uh, um, people accepted Jesus at that triumphal entry, albeit a false acceptance, but yep. accepted Jesus at the triumphal entry was because of oh, absolutely, because Lazarus, of Lazarus, the Grace miracle Ridge. there. Yeah, is there anything about the um, raising of Lazarus that you love or that you really appreciate? Something that really resonates or connects with you, maybe? Well, I kind of like it whenever that uh, Jesus first found out that he was sick and everything, and and he was going. To Bethany, and of course, some of the disciples didn't want him to go because the yeah. Pharisees were after him. Yeah. I mean, they'd already tried Constantly. to lay hands on him <laughs> several times. Yeah, and they didn't really want him to go. But then, when Jesus told him, he says, "Well, we got to go because he's sleeping," and and he says, "Or he's asleep," and then they say, "Well, if he's sleeping, he's doing okay," you know. It, <laughs> that's true. And Jesus says, "Oh, he's dead." <laughs> and uh, I think that's just a, a great part of this. But uh, also, when you get get to Bethany, you find that Jesus uh, confronts Mary and Martha, and of course they, they tell him, so if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. So that, I mean, their, their faith in who Jesus was, they knew that death wasn't, wouldn't be in his presence, so yeah. uh, you know he could, he could have healed him. But then he talked about it being the resurrection, and he said, do you believe oh, yeah, in the I resurrection? Yep. And he said, uh, and yes, they did. And but then Jesus, uh, we have a great verse of Jesus wept, and mm. you know, Shortest and I look verse, at that yeah. and I think about oh, why did he weep? Hmm. You know, you ask the question, why? Why did Jesus weep? You know, he knew what he was going to do. So, oh, well, what's the problem right, yeah. here? You know, Good why? question. Why would he? Uh, why would he be crying? Well, I think it was because of some of their unbelief, and then I also think it was because, hey, I'm raising Lazarus. He's He's already passed over. Listen, I'm bringing him back. He's going to have to go through this again. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, don't so, bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm here, you know. So. Yeah. But oh, wow. anyway, I, I, I looked at those things, and I, and I asked those questions and everything. But, but then he, he raised him, you know, brought him out, and he said, you know, to loose him and let him go. 
And at that point, we find that you were correct in what you were saying a moment ago, that after that, everybody wanted to see Lazarus as well as Jesus because they, they wanted to see this miracle that had happened. I wanted to power, see yeah. this, you know, yeah. that it happened. And, and like you said, whenever he rode into Jerusalem, they had that, uh, they just praised him and everything because of this resurrection of Lazarus. And, yeah, and, and there were other reasons as to why they were happy to see Jesus at the triumphal entry. But John, for whatever reason, highlights that, that one, one, Lazarus. And, and what a great witness because they see Lazarus walking around and maybe many of them knew Lazarus was sick and, and maybe they, many of them were there yeah. at the funeral service uh, and they wanted to see it. Just like the Pharisees went to the man born the, the blind man, and said, we want to see you, see you. physically see the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because at the very end of chapter 11, the story of, of Lazarus being raised from the grave in verse 53 of chapter mm-hmm. 11, it says, so from that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. on, uh, and that's a, that's a key verse, from that yep. time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. That's kind of like the final, final part. If he yep. can raise people from the dead... We got to get rid of this guy. I guess Absolutely. is what they're saying. And so, as a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. So he went to a place near the wilderness, to the village of Ephraim, and stayed there with his disciples. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like he got he got away, yeah. he got out of dodge, so to speak, because he knew that they were they were after him. But you would think that after he have, he did such a, a wonderful miracle, I mean, he resurrected the dead. Oh, but you know, they were even they were after believed. Lazarus. They wanted to kill Lazarus, too. This is true. Yeah. It's like they wanted to get rid of the evidence. You know, and... and <clears throat> well, of course, that's in chapter 10 or 12. It comes in where there's after. And we talked earlier about, you know, wanting to go back and be during this time. And, and, I, and I hear a lot of people will say, you know, I would love to be back and see Jesus and see all those miracles. And, you know, I kind of think and I say, I don't know, that's a catch-22 because I'd love to go back too, but I'm afraid that I wouldn't believe. Yeah, I'm yeah. afraid that I'd have all those years of tradition. Well, knowing what I know now, yes, I'm yes. going to believe. Right. But if I went back without, you know, knowing what I know now um, and all those tradition they had and, and all the religious leaders guiding them in that's other right. directions, that's you know, right. I wonder, you know, mm. would we believe? Yeah. It's kind of like in the same way if I was given um, an inheritance, you know, a few million dollars or something. I hope that I would not spend it all in one place. (laughs) I don't know. I've never been given that. I've never had the opportunity to try that. But part of me says, I don't know if I really want that. I don't want that um, that temptation to do something or that that to grab a hold of you. And again, not that it does. I'm just saying that um, it's hard to put ourselves back yeah. in. There's that. few people who can handle things like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, very few. We we find a lot who have misused these things. And same thing with and you. That's a very good point in going back. And and if I'd want to go back, but I'd want to go back to observe as I know now to see mm-hmm. how all yeah, this happened. Yeah, if we could just be observers yeah, I'd, I'd, and not, yeah. Not necessarily live in that time, but to observe that You go time. back and observe and, and, and look at the situation and say, man, I had that all wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I thought I figured that out. <laughs> yeah, I thought my interpretation of that was right, but it is way <laughs> off, way off from that story. That's the truth. But as you were saying about Lazarus, at the end of chapter, well, yeah. um, before Jesus predicts his death, towards the end of chapter 12, Uh, And in verse uh, 17, it says, Many in the crowd had seen Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, 
because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, and I think this is so dramatic too here, by the way, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Yeah. To kind of throw their hands up. What can we do? Everyone's chasing this man. What can we possibly... I mean, they knew what they were going to do. They were going to plot mm-hmm. to kill him. But yeah. I think in a dramatic kind of... Uh, uh, dramatic way, they said, well, what can we do? Yeah. Everybody, the whole world's gone after this man. Well, it would seem futile. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to. That, that, that's definitely true. Now, uh, just to have a few minutes left, chapter 13, a little bit here. Chapter 13 starts um, a larger section of uh, John called the Upper Room Discourse or the yeah. Farewell Discourse, mm-hmm. chapter 13 through 17. And this is the time where Jesus is basically in the upper room with them, and he's going through uh, different events that are happening. Uh, this chapter 12 and 13 with the triumphal entry starts the Passion Week uh, of Christ, and so some of the events that we're familiar with. And in chapter 13, uh, one of the specific ones is, of course, Judas's betrayal. And I just want to, excuse me, mention this. I mentioned this last week, I think. I find it interesting, uh, as Judas is betraying um, uh, Jesus, and they're, they're talking about it, that um, the disciples are kind of taken back by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They think, how in the world would any one of us of the 12 be one who betrays? They're kind of shocked. Yeah. And it says, uh, if you look at chapter 13, verse 21, it says, now Jesus was deeply troubled. And he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. And the disciple Jesus yeah. loved, which would be John, John, who's writing the book. I think it's interesting, he got a front row seat here, um, sitting next to Jesus at the table. And Simon Peter, motioning to him, asks, nice. you know, who is he talking about? So Simon Peter is not sitting next to, to, to Jesus or to John. It's almost like, you know, the table is like a horseshoe. Uh, configuration. You, you almost think that way. And Jesus was at the head, and John was to the right of him. It's almost like Simon Peter's down here somewhere, and he's waving us in, like, hey, John, 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 mm-hmm. hey, ask Jesus who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jesus says, you know, it's the one who I pass the bread to. Now, if you're Jesus, if John's on your right, and you're not passing the bread to John, then you're passing it to your left. Well, then Judas must have been sitting right next to Jesus. Yeah. And you think, wow. He was he he's not this guy that's way off obscure on the outskirts like the worst of all the yeah. apostles the yeah. one that's always having trouble he's one that's sitting right next yeah. to Jesus in other words he's not the twelfth disciple down in the end <laughs> yeah he's not a, he's not a, exactly he's not the one way down at the end of the party he's yeah. sitting to the left of Jesus yeah. which symbolic of of in a position of power and authority yeah. or leadership or influence. And yet the one closest to Jesus is the one who, who betrays him. And mm. I feel like there's a lot of people in our churches today who have been, um, you know, going to church for three, four, five, six, ten years and still have not accepted Jesus like yeah. Judas. I mean, you think three and a half years yeah. watching, right. observing what Jesus is doing, listening to his conversations, and he still didn't believe makes you think how many more people in our churches today have never put their faith in Christ. Right. I was really, uh, as I thought about that reading through this week, I thought, man, that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. There are many like that. Well, you said there, you know, there will be many that will say, Lord, Lord, in that day, say, I don't know who you are. Yeah. I guess it shouldn't surprise us, no. should it? No, I mean, Jesus, he, he's pretty open. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he... Uh, he was open to the Pharisees. They didn't get it. Uh, they kept asking him who he was, and then they kept wanting to kill him. And 
Which I think is interesting interesting. because he told the Pharisees, I am. And Jesus passes the bread to Judas as the one, and the disciples are like, who? Who? You don't even get it. No. (laughs) It's right here. How could could he be the one? He's the treasurer. Right, because because it says there in the verse, it says, uh, Jesus responded, verse 26, it is the one whom I give this bread and dip in this bowl. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, and Satan entered into him, and Jesus told him, him, hurry and do what you're going to do. And then it says, verse 28, none of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some mm-hmm. thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give money to the poor. So mm-hmm. Judas left at once, going out into the night. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, the one thing that I didn't get either is Jesus says that, and then he dips and he gives to Judas. And Judas, and you know, it didn't stop Judas. Right. You would think, oh man, he's he's singled me out already. I mean, look, he's already done it. Didn't hide it, and he didn't hide it. And, and none of the other disciples, uh, picked apostles, up picked up on it. No, so they were just as blind as some of the religious leaders. Mm. Yep. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder how much of scripture we read and we just don't pick up on. Yeah, but Peter said, "I'll follow you. <laughs> I'll go with you." <laughs> and what did Jesus say? Will you lay down your life for me? Yeah, yeah. Mm. He says, "I'm going to deny you. You're going to deny me three times." And sure enough, it happened. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think our time is done for today. I think we're maybe a little bit over our time for today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot to talk about in those chapters, oh, yeah. uh, a lot more. Uh, next week, we'll um, finish up, I believe, the book of John, or maybe not finish it up, but get really close to towards the end. Um, next week, we'll start with chapter 14 and, and probably read a little bit more. I think we've got two more weeks. We've got all of January to be in John, so I think we've got two more weeks to be in John. Next week, I'll have another guest with me, uh, different. Thank you, Bill, for coming and uh, and participating here. Now, if you have any questions, don't forget, you can always send them to BibleReading at lmbc.org, and I will talk with you guys next time.